If we only look at dollars raised as a success metric, as opposed to building a great company, we'd be aiming at the wrong target. So given sort of what is celebrated in the media, what's celebrated on Twitter, what's sort of celebrated in popular startup culture today really is all about fundraising. So we spend a lot of time trying to aim in the opposite direction to say that will come if you just focus on building your company. You're listening to MIT Club of Boston's podcast. This is your host, Gayatri Aryan. In today's episode, we will look at MIT's efforts around teaching entrepreneurship. Can it be taught? Well, we have with us two women leaders, Trish Cotter and Carly Chase, to give us a sneak peek at MIT's Martin Trust Center for Entrepreneurship. Trish Cotter is the Executive Director and Entrepreneur in Residence at the Martin Trust Center for Entrepreneurship, where she mentors students through the accelerator process for their startup ventures. She is also a lecturer at the MIT Sloan School of Management on topics related to entrepreneurship. Carly Chase is the Founding Managing Director at NYC Startup Studio, an extension of MTC in New York. Trish, Carly, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you with us today. Trish, in your own words, could you speak to us about where does the Martin Trust Center fit into the MIT's ecosystem? The Martin Trust Center is located at the Sloan end of campus. It serves all schools on campus. It is partially funded by Sloan. Uh, The idea is that we play a role on bringing commercializing Inventions. So inventions is a sunk cost, uh, commercializing them, and that's where we get the innovation. So we are working with students who are working on innovation-driven enterprises. Great. I was reading the mission for Martin Trust Center, and it spoke about innovation-driven entrepreneurship. Could you speak to us about that? So the innovation is that we're trying to create innovation-driven entrepreneurs. We want students to think about big challenges in the world. Most of the MIT students really want to make their mark. And whether it's as a startup or it's in a corporation, we want the students to be able to think big and learn that they can break those big impacting kind of activities down into manageable, achievable milestones. So we want innovation, which means it's global. It means that it has a large impact. It may take a large investment in the beginning, so it might go negative. So it's different from, say, a small or medium enterprise. So say a dentist where you have a chair and then you add a second chair. I mean, there's finite capacity in in that. But innovation-driven entrepreneurship, whether it's putting satellites into space, whether it's trying to put vaccines with a vaccine policy in in a country and be able to deliver one, or it's providing educational technology, all of those will require some sort of investment whether it's friends, family, angels, or it's customer-driven, where the students have created a beachhead so that they get a paying customer, or it's going to require VC capital. Great. Now, Carly, you head the New York Startup Studio, which I believe is an extension to the Martin Trust Center at the MIT campus. Yeah, that's right. It's the location that we host the Delta V program in New York. So we run Delta V, which is our summer accelerator program. It's a three-month capstone educational program for our student entrepreneurs that are deciding to start their business while they're at school and intend to continue to be founders and and grow that business outside of when they leave MIT. 
Right. I, actually, that uh, is a great segue to my next question. Talk to us about the various programs offered at Martin Trust Center and how do students engage in these programs while they are undergoing various degrees in different schools at MIT? So I think it's important to, to answer that question to back up and give you context for how we think about what an entrepreneur is and, and why we care so much about extending our reach throughout campus and not just to one school or, or one single population um, at MIT. And that's really because what we seek to do here is to, to help create entrepreneurs. And the word entrepreneur is really important to us because to us, an entrepreneur is not just somebody who knows how to be a builder, who has the this, this skill set of operations and sales and marketing and all of that really important stuff that you need to, to start and grow a company um, or step in and help build a company. But to us, the even more important part of that that we think is, um, I think there's a dearth of this type of knowledge in the world, is really the mindset of entrepreneurs. And so what we seek to empower our students with or to employ our students with uh, to be able to go solve these huge challenges that Trish just mentioned, why we, you know, this really is the part of, of how we do the innovation-driven entrepreneurship, is to teach students how to be able to thrive in chaos, how to deal with ambiguity, how to continue to stay agile and adaptable, to really um, be able to handle any, all the inevitable challenges, really, that will come their way as they go down that path. And um, we think that mindset, of course, is really important, and that skill set of, of building companies, of course, is a really important skill set for a founder of a startup or a founder of a business to have. But we also think it's equally as valuable for somebody who's going to join a fast-growing startup or join a corporate that is in need of change and innovation um, and an entrance really into the 21st century. And so with that in mind, with that being our mission, that, that we think entrepreneurs show up in all different places in our society and all different types of work, um, to get back to your question about our programs, we kind of have the freedom, I call it, and, and really the, the positive excuse to have interactions with any student on campus that wants to engage with us, whether it's for an hour a semester or they come to MIT to start a company and they want to spend half their time with us here. And so that means that we have programs across the board to, to have touch points with, again, any student depending on when or how or, or what time capacity they have to spend with us. So that could mean they're coming in and doing, um, participating in the event series that we do all semester. So we bring speakers to campus. For instance, Mark Randolph, who is the co-founder of Netflix, was here earlier um, in the fall. And so that might mean that you spend, if you're a student who spends 95% of the time in the lab, but you can step out for an hour to hear a speaker a semester, we're equally as excited to engage with that student as the student who comes here to start a company and wants to take the classes that each of us teach. So uh, Trish is a senior lecturer here. I'm a, a lecturer at Sloan, so we actually teach entrepreneurship classes. Uh, we run a lot of extracurricular programs like the Delta V Accelerator, like um, our, our January accelerator called MIT Fuse, like Start MIT, our introductory um, to, to uh, entrepreneurship boot camp that we run. So events, extracurricular programs, classes, competitions like the 100K competition, um, event-driven competitions like the FinTech Challenge. Um, so really, we have, if you were to look at our website and, and see all the things that we do, we have all these different programs and touch points, and it's really a mouthful. But again, that's all in the mission to really serve any student on campus regardless of their intention, to help them learn how to be entrepreneurs. Yeah, quite a few flavors there for students to choose from. Um, and I was smiling, Carly, because you were very particular about using the word student. Um, yeah. And I can attest to that because 
I was engaged as a board member for Delta V cohort last summer. So if you can also speak to what are the opportunities for the alums to engage at Martin Trust Center, because I know within our cohort, there is a desire to give back to the MIT community. So I think that would be, um, that would be great to describe. So I think that there's several opportunities. Now remember that 50% of our students on campus are curious entrepreneurs. So there's a lot of opportunity to get involved at various stages. Only about 10% of our students are ready to go. And then it's the, one of the more popular ones now is a joiner. So someone who doesn't have an idea but wants to join a team. Then there's the entrepreneurship amplifiers, people who are going to work in small and medium businesses or go out into their ecosystem and help create it. And then there's corporate entrepreneurs. So there's a wide a wide variety of student interactions that can happen. So we try to engage the students at various aspects as they're going through. And as an alum, I'd like you to think about maybe what your skills are at various stages. So we get students at the inspirational stage. That's where they, we want them to come up with an idea. Uh, the president of the institute said he would like an innovation orchard, which means he wants ideas generated. Not all of them are going to be great, but more ideas, you know, help bring other ideas and gets that entrepreneurial kind of thinking on campus. So we have an event called T equals zero. It's the start of school, and it's when students are most likely looking up and not down studying. And so we want that experience for them by opening up all the entrepreneurship centers on campus. And we have speakers come in. We have events. We try to put these mixers together so that we can get east and west campus together we have a thing called pitch to match where students can come in and say i'm a founder this is what i'm looking for or i have these skills and i'm looking for a team and so they come and they watch and we ha did that three times this year for the students because it was a tremendous success but we started at the beginning of school if somebody is either looking to get involved attending one of those pitch to match events and kind of getting a feel for what the students are looking for, that's a great place for them to go. We also have all sorts of hacking events that are available for people to be judges, to be mentors at. And then there's a program called Start MIT. So this one Carly runs, I'll let her talk a little bit more about that, but that's an introduction to the ecosystem. Then there's Fuse, which Carly mentioned was a kind of a three-week sprint. The students are heads down on their project, but they're looking for mentorship. Uh, and then there's Delta V. Delta V has board members, mock board members, no fiduciary responsibility for the students, and they help guide the students based on a rubric and measurement system we provide. So there's all sorts of ways for people to get involved on campus if they're interested in helping students. You know, we're a pretty small staff that serves the entire student population. Um, I think our staff to student ratio is, is quite high. And so what that really means is that at any given time, given that our students are sort of changing their interests, changing their business model, changing, obviously, when they're working on an idea, everything can change on a daily basis, if not hourly. Um, so that means that the amount of people that we sort of need to have in our back pocket to be able to provide, oh, you're having trouble learning how to sell to hospitals today, or you're learning, you're having trouble learning how to be really disciplined when you're rolling out a product roadmap, or you're looking to learn about a new market really quickly. Like we need a lot of people who are just sort of on call. 
um, and who can be available when we need to call upon them. I think one of the challenges that we have in sort of meeting, we, we try to say and we try to really do in practice, meet every student where they are in their journey, which is all different parts of the early stage of, of entrepreneurship education and, and, um, and company building, means that we sort of need to be able to pull a resource out of our hat at any given time. And the needs that we have really do change on a daily basis because the students' needs change. Yeah, so some years it may be a focus on marketplaces. Other years it might be on medical devices. Other years it's on, uh, you know, global particular issues. Uh, really regionally focused. So we do need that. But I have to say that MIT alumni have been unbelievably generous with their time. And so for Delta V, if we have 20 teams or 27 teams and we need eight to 10 board members, it really does not take me all that long to put a composition of boards together because people are interested in reaching back and helping the students. What we are trying to teach the students is, is that it will be their responsibility once they move on to reach back and help the students as they exit. So that kind of an ecosystem where everybody kind of pulls everybody along, that's really the sign of a pretty healthy uh, ecosystem. The last point I will make is that our programs are, most of them are co-sponsored by the Dean of Sloan and the Dean of Engineering. So that there's messaging across campus to everyone that whether it's Start MIT or it's Delta V, these are programs both supported by and endorsed by both sides of campus. That's great. And I can attest to the Delta V you know, cohort last summer and the diversity of the board members and I would say even the diversity of the teams that were engaged. I mean, we had folks doing biotech work versus, you know, real estate innovation. So I think that was phenomenal uh, and goes back to your point, Carly, where you're really trying to give guidance how to be an entrepreneur irrespective of the vertical or the, or the work that you're trying to kick off. We are industry agnostic. And yeah. that's what comes with teaching it, keeping it an educational accelerator or an educational experience. One of the big things at the Trust Center is this honest broker approach. And the honest broker is that this, we want students, if they're going to make mistakes, we would much prefer they do it here. If they're going to pivot, we want them to do it here uh, because we think we can help them. We think we can give them tools, frameworks, mechanisms for them to deal with change here versus taking investor money too early and not being able to ha not have those skills. So that's really important for us to be able to execute programs in a way that's safe so that we don't want people to come in and look for deal flow. Uh, we want people to come in and realize that this is an educational experience. And you can't tell the students what to do. You have to help them learn what to do yeah, and have them help them build that true inner North Star that we want them to have once they leave MIT. That is great. So Trish, nudging you a little more on the honest broker uh, role, what is the guidance to the students once they have successfully finished the accelerator, Delta V accelerator, on soliciting funding then? So an honest broker approach does not mean that we limit exposure to VCs. What we don't allow is they cannot run funding campaigns during Delta V because it's a full-time job. And so we want students to come in, build their fundamentals, and then we want them to be able to talk to VCs along the way. 
Uh, so what we'll do is we will introduce them in mock pitches during the summer and we'll, we'll have socials, things along that nature that will introduce people to VCs who have worked with us that understand that the students may not have all the answers, that they may take a risk that may not be appropriate, but we'd rather they took it here. So they're not taking their money. And while they're in Delta V, they're building relationships because we don't want the first time they're meeting a VC to be the time that they're pitching their company. We want them to have, be able to build the skills to be able to look at where should I take money? What is good money? Who do I want on my board? Is this person going to help me? And so those are the kind of things and skills that we try to build up while we're in Delta V. We also want to ensure that they have strong fundamentals, and not only can they talk about the tech side of the business, but they can equally talk about the business aspects. So, so to build on what Trish is saying, I think one of the other challenges that we face, not just here at MIT, but in the entrepreneurship ecosystem generally and the startup ecosystem, is the idea that raising money is a milestone of success, is a metric of success. And it, of course, it, it is in the sense that it enables you to continue building your company. It gives you capital to to experiment, to continue retaining your people, to continue building your company. But really, if we only look at dollars raised as a success metric, as opposed to building a great company, um, we'd, be, we'd be aiming at the wrong target. So given sort of what is celebrated in the media, what's celebrated on Twitter, what's sort of celebrated in popular startup culture today really is all about fundraising. So we spend a lot of time trying to aim in the opposite direction to say that will come if you just focus on building your company. And, and nothing um, sort of makes me sad, you know, makes me sad or disappointed is to see a team here at MIT spend an entire semester trying to raise institutional money as opposed to building their company. And it's really hard to do both at the same time. It's almost impossible, especially with the extra commitment of school. So the right thing to be doing is actually to build your company because then the money will come a lot easier as opposed to if you do it in the opposite way. Now, it has been 10 years of existence for Delta V Accelerator at least. Would you be willing to share uh, what the journey has been like in terms of its success or lessons learned for Delta V Accelerator? So I think to date, I think this was started even at the early stages by Bill and Ed Roberts, and they started it, it was a beehive, just a, a small room, and Bill got like-minded people together, and then it started to grow from there. And I think with donations from the Goss Foundation and from Marty Trust, it was really did turbo blast us a little into being able to provide students with a fellowship for the summer as well as uh, money that can really be impactful for the startups, but it's all equity free. So I think that that's really an important concept for the Trust Center. We in New York during the first week of March had an event um, to celebrate three successful summers of Delta V in New York, and we'll be going into our fourth this summer. And so we actually did a where are they now type event where people could see um, our community in New York could, could hear from 
student teams that have gone through the program over the last three years mm -hmm. and really understand where that program has led them today. Um, and it was really interesting to hear all their different, we had four recent alums and then one person who happens to be on the other side, a board member who is a, an MIT alum and actually went through the program here in Cambridge in 2014. And so she talked a lot about uh, sort of how she grew up and how she got to MIT, but then she talked about how she went through the Delta V Accelerator, which back then was had a different name called GFSA. And she said she didn't make it very far past the summer with that team. Then she decided to go back and try, actually not back, for the first time into the investment world. But about a year ago, decided that it was time for her to be a founder. And so really called back on her summer at Delta V, really recalled back to, to discipline entrepreneurship framework that we teach here at the Trust Center and her time at the Trust Center um, and talked about how that's continuing to inform her, you know, even six years post-graduation as she begins this journey again. So that's that's a really nice anecdotal way that we that we hope students and alum continue to continue to not only engage and give back, but also be able to utilize the skill sets and leverage the networks and leverage all the knowledge that they got while here at any time in their life in the future. Yeah, we just did a survey of all Delta V alums and ask them, you know, are they entrepreneurs now? And in a lot of in a lot of cases, the individuals who are on the team um, are, are working at corporations around the world, but they do identify themselves as entrepreneurs. But to give you the MIT numbers, three out of every four Delta V startup is still operating. Two of every three founders are still working on their startup. 215 million plus total funds have been raised from 375 plus investors and over 500 people are employed by Delta V. That is a great success story, I would say. In, in terms of trends that you two observe in the Boston area versus New York, is there any guidance for the students who are interested in engaging with the center? You know, what, what is the criteria to choose a Boston cohort versus a New York cohort? We really um, say it's up to them. So they have to want to come to New York. Okay. Um, they want to have to live there. They want to have to work there. Um, and they have to imagine that the ecosystem there could give them some advantage that they couldn't get in Boston. Um, so when we started New York uh, in, in the spring of 2017 and, and then ultimately that summer, the idea, the sort of two hypotheses, well, three hypotheses that we had that we have proven two out of three so far. Um, one is that bringing students to New York could give them an enhanced educational experience. And so that's because of certain sectors that New York is strong in, like financial services, media, real estate, fashion. And I think given that tech has now really sort of attacked every single part of our, our economy and every single sector that just the diversity of businesses that students are starting and, and the types of um, industries that we're seeing being tackled in Delta V has continued to diversify over the years. And so um, that was one idea for New York that maybe we could bring teams um, that were working in industries that were stronger in New York than, than elsewhere, that they would get an advantage there. Um, also just slightly different pace right there, a little bit faster more Fortune 500 companies there, so more clients to talk to if you're a B2B company or potentially partners, different talent pool. So that really was one of the hypotheses that really has come true. Students really have seen an advantage that located in New York, but also it's a single program with two locations. So any team that is located in Cambridge for the summer can come visit, can get access to any of the resources that the New York teams can get. Um, and then the other two 
hypotheses, I think one that sort of goes, the second one goes back to the previous question is, did we have a community of people that would support us in the same way mm -hmm. in New York that do here in Cambridge? And the answer to that is an unbelievable yes. Um, I've been completely overwhelmed with the community in New York and have an email list of over 650 people who have sort of raised their hand and said, put me on deck or ask me to be a resource in this capacity. And we really... I really can say, as it says, the person who solely really runs that program, um, I can't do it without all of the support of the alums and, and the New York ecosystem um, in a greater capacity. And then the third question for us, which we have not yet proved out, is um, could we make it a financially sustainable venture? Could it exist on its own to continue? So that is something we're still um, have an open question with and, and also welcome the alumni community to, to help us out with, too. The Delta V program is an expensive program, and that is not necessarily supported by Sloan. So it need, it is something that we fundraise for every year. And so we provide $20,000 to teams uh, that they can earn through these board meetings. And they're very difficult and stringent board meetings. The money is definitely earned. And then we give them a fellowship so they can pay their rent and they can eat um, <laughs> during the summer. <laughs> but, you know, an MIT has a lot of options to go out and do other things that would be more financially rewarding to them. And so that's really important. But we also, one other thing is, is we, the fundamental concept at the trust center is to experiment. And so we experiment each year to try to continue to raise our level of the program and our delivery of the program. And our most recent experiment has been what we call an, an entrepreneurship uh, confidence and communication program, which is where we really work on, on students' mental, mental fortitude to not only lead a company, but also to be able to lead a team, to be able to uh, deal with conflict, to work out those inner kind of inner critic and imposter syndrome kind of things in a way that's productive for the summer. So it's those kind of programs that we're looking at that we're always trying to push the barrier and kind of improve the entrepreneurial skills. Well, both of you are tempting me to try entrepreneurship <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Thank you very much for giving us a sneak peek into Martin Trust Center. Leading research-based universities play a significant role in stimulating and sustaining U.S. economic growth. These institutions educate not only productive workers who create value as employees of large established firms, but also entrepreneurs who commercialize ideas and often build innovation-driven enterprises. These company founders and their early employees exert a major ripple effect in both local and global economies as new companies have the potential to scale rapidly and thus create jobs. This is especially true for companies based on emerging science, technology or other sources of innovative concepts, whether in manufacturing process, distribution approaches or newly defined markets. U.S. economic data demonstrate that startup businesses are the primary driver of job growth and are responsible for a disproportionately high share of job creation, with new and high-growth young firms accounting for roughly 70% of gross job creation. Thank you for listening. We hope to have you back for our next episode. Until then, stay safe and healthy.